hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Oh, hey, it's your old pal Mark Hershaw. Unless, of course, this is your first time listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, in which case, it's your new pal Mark Hershon. Either way, this is Epi 98, just two episodes away from our Epi 100 and the end of Suckatash Season 1. In regards to that, we've been tweeting requests for podcasters and listeners to call in Happy Episode 100 messages to the Suckatash hotline at 818-921-7212. And so far... This is all we've gotten. Pretty exciting, right? I was going to try to gear up to do a big live episode 100 in a theater with a bunch of music and guests. And uh, you know what? I've had such an underwhelming response to the show's season one finale. I think we're just going to go back into Studio P with our engineer producer, Joe Polino, our announcer, Bill Haywatt. And uh, we'll just do a slam bang, highly produced extravaganza. Unlike this week's episode, which is being recorded in Studio F while parked in my driveway in the middle of the night. This episode is not brought to you by Squarespace, Nature Box, Cards Against Humanity, the Dollar Shave Club, or any other legitimate paying advertisers. But we are sponsored by Henderson's Pants, and of course your kind donations, or merch that you happen to perch, or click-throughs on our Amazon.com banner at the top of our SuckatashShow.com home site. If you miss me talking about what Season 2 has in store, just real briefly... I'm going to be splitting Succotash into two different flavors, which will both be available in the regular show feed. We will have clips-only episodes under the subtitle, Succotash Clips, and then we'll have interview shows subtitled, Succotash Chats. And occasionally, we still might mix those offerings for a serving of Succotash Clips and Chats. We've got a big old sweaty handful of clips from comedy podcasts around the interwebs, many of which were harvested by our associate producer, Tyson Saner. Also on tap this episode is not one but two of our Burst O'Durst segments with political and social comedian slash commentator Will Durst, a fresh Henderson's Pants commercial, and the tweet sack is back. I pushed it off last episode because we were running so long, but we'll be mentioning a few notes we got this time around, as well as a bunch of kind folks who've been passing the succotash via social media. One thing we will not be getting to this week is... The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List! The reason not going to be going over the 10 most active shows on Stitcher's Top 100 Comedy Podcast list this week. Well, it seems that Stitcher has been busy updating some hoo-ha in the Jezelneck because of a defective framus, and their numbers have been all kablooey since the middle of September. I was planning on maybe scrapping this feature anyway after Epi 100. Nobody has tweeted or written in that they really want to hear it anymore, so perhaps I'll just let it quietly crawl off and die in the bushes. 
However, what we also have in store for you on this show, this Epi 98, is the interview I just recorded a few days ago on Skype with Matt Gorley, who many of you may know as one quarter of the Super Ego podcast. He also co-hosts the James Bonding podcast with Matt Myra. But his main reason for dropping by Succotash, virtually speaking, was to talk about his newest podcast and the new network that it's part of. Just this last week, the Wolf Pop Podcast Network started. It's a spinoff of sorts from the Earwolf Network, home of many fine comedy podcasts such as Comedy Bang Bang, Affirmation Nation with Bob Duca, Nerd Poker, and many others. Wolf Pop is going to feature more shows with a pop culture bent under the stewardship of the very funny Paul Shear, who you may know from the How Did This Get Made podcast and his appearances on TV's The League and many other endeavors. Matt Gorley's new show is called I Was There Too and features Matt interviewing different guests each episode, guests who are connected to a famous scene or a moment in a movie, but just as a bit part player or an extra on the film. For instance, his guest on the first show, which dropped this last week, is Paul F. Tompkins, who was in There Will Be Blood and was in a scene with Daniel Day-Lewis. Here's a clip from Matt Gorley's new show's first episode. So we're here to talk about your very serious role. <laughs> That's true. In There Will Be Blood. Now, yes. you're not typically known for drama, but you might as well be. Because no. I want to say first off that when I rewatch this for this podcast, mm -hmm. everybody talks about how intense Daniel Day-Lewis is. Mm -hmm. Your stare on that opening shot in that scene <laughs> is incredibly intense. Well, you know, Matt, acting is reacting. <laughs> And so this guy is talking <laughs> and I'm listening to him like, this is important stuff. I see. And I really, it was, it was so weird to be there. It was so weird to be there. And, and I came to be there because I knew Paul Thomas Anderson a little bit and because I had been cut out of a previous film of his. Magnolia. Yes. Yeah. Um, I had been, everything but my voice was cut out. Save it for the Magnolia episode of I Was There Too. <laughs> Magnepisode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So here's what I want to do. I want to start yes. from the beginning. Yes. So it's we'll a very good place to start. All the details. Let's talk about, you said you knew Paul Thomas Anderson. So was there even an audition process? No, there was not. I, I knew God. Paul from uh, the Largo scene. He uh -huh. was uh, um, uh, an habitue of Largo, as was I. Um, and uh, I had uh, hung out with him on a few occasions at Largo. And then at our, our friend, our mutual friend, Loretta Feldman's house. Um, Loretta Feldman was Marty Feldman's widow. And is that why there are pictures of Marty Feldman in the little room yes, at Largo? Absolutely. Oh. Yeah. He used to have, she used to have these uh, dinner parties at her home and Flanagan who owns Largo was a, a friend of hers. And so she would have some of us to her house occasionally. And there would be these, it, it's, it, I can't describe to you how wonderful they were, even though it was like the simplest thing in the world, but it was sort of like, to me, it was like, this is what it's like to be a grown up. is, <laughs> you know, we would have these dinner, she would have these dinner parties and it would be like, you know, five or six people and we'd sit, we'd eat dinner and then we'd all sit around the table, um, drinking and smoking and telling stories. And it was, it was just the most amazing thing because she had these great stories. She was a great conversationalist. She was a real character. She had, she was in a seventies. She talked like this. She had this beautiful British accent, very posh and plumbing. She had this deep voice from smoking for years and years, darling. <laughs> 
And then she got she got cancer, and it was a ghastly nightmare. Oh, yeah, she just passed away a couple years ago, and but she lived an amazing life, and she was herself to the end, and you know, um, she was she was terrific. But that's so that's where I would hang out with Paul and and got to know him. So paint the picture for me. You're sitting around the table. It's yeah. you, Paul Thomas Anderson, Loretta Feldman. Yeah. What other luminaries were there? Uh, there was Flanagan, who owns Largo. There was a guy, uh, uh, Julian, who is a, a British character actor that has been in a million things that you'd know him if you saw him. Um, uh, John Bryan, you mm-hmm. know, the musician and composer and, and uh, you know, people like that, that um, – uh, that that all kind of most of us knew each other from Largo, but then there would be people that were old friends of of, of Loretta's, like Anne uh, Sellers, who was Peter Sellers' uh, ex-wife. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were they were the inspiration for Absolutely Fabulous, Loretta and and. Oh my God! You're yeah. kidding. See, this is exactly what I want for this podcast. I want this to well, not, good, uh, good. <laughs> I'm want, I'm great. Listen, I'm saying what I'm doing <laughs> is good, Matt. Okay, now you've gone too far. I can't <laughs> cut. Um, <laughs> Pod cut. There's a lot more to that story, and you can find that episode in its entirety on the new wolfpop.com network, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and, so I've been told, pretty much everywhere you might like finding your podcast for downloading or streaming. I also reviewed I Was There Too this week for This Week in Comedy podcast on Splitsider.com, also for Huffington Post Comedy as well. I'll have my talk with Matt coming up a little later in the show, where we talk about his new show, the new network, Super Ego, and whether, following the discontinuance of production of the iPod announced this last week, that should podcasts maybe be called something else now? Hmm. But before we get into that with Matt Gorley, let's bustle up to the comedy podcast bar and get ourselves a foamy pitcher full of clips. Let's start with the first of our double dose of Durst. Our comedy color man tugs his respirator aside long enough to spew out a few words about the Ebola situation. Hey guys, Will Durst with the funny side of Ebola. (laughs) Well, there's the widespread fear and paranoia making people crazier than the trajectory of an arrow with a gelatin shaft. Okay, not, not so funny. How about the prospect of a global epidemic on the scale of a zombie apocalypse? No, you're right, still not very humorous. So, okay, funny side might be an exaggeration, but we don't have to dig too deep to hit a rich vein of irony, such as health officials in Maine announcing they're prepared to enforce a voluntary quarantine on Casey Hickox, a healthcare worker who treated Ebola patients. Raising the question, how do you enforce a voluntary quarantine? They get a demand we uphold our New Year's resolutions, too? Keep moving, Tubby. You got two more miles on that stationary bike. Doesn't it make more sense to quarantine every grandstanding science-adverse politician calling for a quarantine? It's turning into a competition to see which governor can be the most anti-Ebola. Kicking butt on all those pro-Ebola opponents. I guess hysteria has its own logic. If she's not a witch, she won't drown. Yes, this is an awful virus, but the best way to keep it off our shores is to stop it in West Africa by alleviating their lack of doctors and hospitals and conditions less sanitary than most gas station restroom drain traps. And stop the infighting amongst our medical experts. The CDC is running around like a chick with its head cut off, and the Surgeon General is nowhere to be found. No, wait, that's right. Republicans refuse to confirm Obama's Surgeon General nominee because the NRA doesn't like him. Well, that's okay. Just give everybody a gun. We can shoot the Ebola. That'll teach him. For Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. 
You can find Will Durst on his home site at willdurst.com. He's also on Facebook, and he tweets at Will Durst on Twitter. Twice a month, comedian Cody Melcher invites a couple of funny friends over to talk about a really, really weird book that they've all just read. The book for this episode of Tome Foolery is called A Christian Response to Dungeons and Dragons, written by Peter Leithert and George Grant in 1987. Tyson Saner, our associate producer, mentioned in his note to me, this is not something I knew existed, and I'm almost sure that my dad, it seems that Tyson's dad is an avid D&Der, uh, he would have mentioned it when he came, as he came from a religious background and is not a, quote, Satan worshiper, unquote. Now, I've been into D&D for a long time, and I do remember when this book came out. Also, all of the religious types up in arms that kids were trying to conjure the devil and practicing witchcraft and whatnot. Other than... One guy, one guy in our game that got turned into a frog, that stuff almost never happened. Anyway, this clip is uh, from the f- of the folks reenacting a famous uh, chick track called Dark Dungeon. That is anti-Dungeons and Dragons. The audio quality is not the best, and they've apologized in their episode description for that on their website. Here we go. So there is a thing called chick tracks, which yeah. are by Jack T. Chick. They are uh, tracks are a Christian thing where Christians will go and uh, hand out little pamphlets of moral lessons. Okay. There is one specifically about Dungeons and Dragons called Dark Dungeons. I have highlighted some parts. If you guys can kind of like figure out roles for each other, uh, this specifically addresses magic as reality in the world of D and D. Okay. And and while painted poorly in here does still kind of make you just want to be a magician. Okay. And so, yeah, like, you can kind of, like, just, like, an older girl is a younger girl, and then you can have one of one of you can play, like, other people. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'll just be, I'll just, you pick, you guys start talking, I'll be whoever's like. Yeah, figure it out. That's going to be perfect. Okay, wizard, cast your spell. Okay, dungeon master, my smell, my spell of light blinds the monster. The thief, Black Leaf, does not find the poison trap, and I declare her dead. No, not Black Leaf. No, no, I'm going to die. Don't let me quit the game, please. Don't. Somebody save me. You can't do this. Marcy, get out of here. You're dead. You don't exist anymore. (laughs) Debbie, your cleric has been raised to the 18th level. I think it's time you learn how to really cast spells. You mean you're going to teach me how to have the real power? (laughs) Yes. Yes, you have the personality for it. The intensical yeah. training through D&D prepared Debbie to accept the invitation to enter a witch's coven. And the picture, uh, for, for those at home, this is because this is a comic book, basically. It's a very small comic. Uh, the picture right now is of, uh, of people in robes around a pentagram. Uh, <laughs> doing, like, full incantation with candles and shit, like, like an episode of Buffy. I brought Elfstar to become a priestess and witch. Welcome, Elfstar. Now you will become a priestess of the craft and of the temple of Diana. Miss Frost, this is fantastic. (laughs) This makes the game real. It's not a fantasy anymore. I knew you were ready by the way you played the game, but this is just the beginning. There is so much more. Last night I cast my first spell. This is real power. (laughs) Which spell did you cast, Debbie? I used the mind bondage spell on my father. He was trying to stop me from playing (laughs) (laughs) D&D. What was the result? He just bought me $200 worth of new D&D figures and manuals. (laughs) It was great! (laughs) Uh, Later that week. 
Hey, Debbie. Marcy's on the phone. She wants to talk to you. She's really upset. I can't. I'm fighting the zombie. Tell her I'll see her tonight. Miss, hi, Miss Anderson. Marcy wanted me to see her tonight. I'm glad you're here, Debbie. Marcy has shut herself uh, in the room and won't come out. Uh, she hasn't been herself in weeks. I've been very worried. Ever since her character in the game got killed, it's as though a part of her died. Maybe you can talk some sense into her. No, Marcy! You didn't have to do that! And so this is an actually like, kind of solemn part of the comic in which you can see the feet of Marcy dangling from her ceiling. She has killed herself. Oh, and she has left a note which says, It's my fault Blackleaf died. I can't face life alone, Marcy. Jesus Christ. She signed her suicide note to you were confused killed themselves. This right is now. conflating too many issues. Oh, yeah. I can't get Marcy out of my mind. How could she do something like this? If I'd left the game, she'd be alive today. Get your priorities straight, Debbie. Your spiritual growth through the game is more important than some lousy loser's life. <laughs> It would have happened sooner or later. Her spirit was too weak. <laughs> but the law of our faith is that we can do anything we want as long as we harm no one. But now we have harmed Marcy. <laughs> Thought bubble, what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. Don't be stupid, Daddy. I think you get I think you'd better let Elfstar take care of things. You're getting out of control. I don't want to be Elfstar anymore. I want to be Debbie. <laughs> Two star is not the worst ever. Oh, that's right, yeah, that's <laughs> So there you go, round of applause for them, everybody. Uh, oh, so then what happens? So then she ends up in a park, and then a, a young man stops by her, uh, and then they talk, and then he takes her to a church, and then the, the, the preacher happens to be discussing uh, witchcraft and Satan. Oh, and she so she's a Scientologist Jesus. now. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah, so it's funny that you'd say that we'd be talking about that, because yeah, after you read this comic, you're like, oh, you can get actual magical powers from this, and I can trick people into buying me things? Why not? Believe it or not, that chick tract has since been made into a film that was funded by Kickstarter. Now, they want five bucks for the film online. You can download it. But it looks like it cost about five bucks to make, quite frankly. What I'm going to do is stick the trailer into the blog entry for this show. So if you want to go up to SuccotashShow.com, you can watch the trailer. And if you want to spend the five bucks, well, just follow the links at that point and go ahead and knock yourself out. You can dive into more tomefoolery, one of the weirdest book clubs around, I think, at their home site, tomefoolery.com. Like most podcasts, you can get on iTunes, Stitcher, and blah, 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 blah. And like all the shows we feature here, if you go to SuccotashShow.com, you can simply click on the title for the, uh, the, the show that we've clipped, and that will whisk you to their home site. How about that? Mm-hmm. Hey, do you want something for nothing besides this show? I mean, I, st I still have some Suckatash zipper pulls available. That's right, free merch. These are these uh, little round doohickeys with the Suckatash logo that clip onto a zipper on your jacket or a backpack or a duffel bag or your pants, I guess, if you really want to draw some attention. And you can have one just by sending your snail mail address along uh, in an email to zipper at SuccotashShow.com. That's zipper at SuccotashShow.com. I will send you a zipper pull for nothing, and I will even cover the postage because I care that much about getting this crap out of my bag. All right. Uh, as if to test the modern axiom that I just made up, there's a podcast for everything. Podcast Squared's Andrew Johnstone, 
former guest here on Succotash and probably a future guest too. He's unveiled the Transformers 1986 podcast. To bring this audio vision to life, he's assembled a roundtable of podcasting podcasters. John, uh, Jason, the angry ginger from Seven Days a Geek, Ben Tippett of Titanium Physicists, and Jim Chipley from Biz and Chips, along with comedian Joe Starr. The first episode uses the nerd minds of the panel to deconstruct the first 20 minutes of this animated classic motion picture. And Ben, as a physicist, um, yes. how accurate is Unicron? Can a Unicron exist? Uh, okay, well, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> so, about so, for the rest of the podcast. One, one thing, of, there's two weird things about Unicron. Well, three, two, if you want it. First weird thing is, like, gravity, because Unicron is, like, the size of a planet He's huge. He's massive. But he's, like, gravity doesn't pull things Toward towards him. his middle, it seems. Well, he like, sucks he, stuff he, into his mouth. Yeah, like and then and then and then they stand up on his tongue, kind of, right? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 not quite. You're, hmm. Uh, the second weird thing about Unicron is so I have I have a strange. I'm having trouble figuring out how big he is because at the start, his his like little chompy sphincter eats a planet, right? Yes. Uh huh. And then later on, he transforms into something that must be about the size of a planet, and then he kind of has a little tantrum and... It stands on top of Cybertron. He, he, he can't eat Cybertron in one bite. Is Cybertron that much bigger than a normal planet? This or is, is just... You have, did he just eat something small? Is he like the size of a moon? <laughs> you have hit on uh, one of the major hilarious things in this movie is that nothing is consistent in its size. <laughs> like at one when we get to the Sharkticons, Sharkticons are about as big as Hot Rod and Cup. But Grimlock stomps on four Sharkticons with his foot. And yet previously we had seen Hot Rod pu pulling Grimlock into the shuttle and Grimlock and and Hot Rod, he was a little bit bigger than Hot Rod, but not four times his size. Right, right? yeah, you're right. They might have been very small Sharktic, like baby Sharktagons. Maybe they just no. It's were, just were... that the animators didn't fucking pay attention, and they were like told, "Hey, have him stomp on some Sharktagon." They went, "Okay," and then drew it. Well, scale <laughs> and miscolors are like the bane of Transformers. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like Sca just left and right. Like I used to uh, do like a Transformers like online RPG, and like when people would be like, "You need to justify that." You would just be like, uh, animation error, I don't know. And like <laughs> that, that was like acceptable justification in our dumb Transformers cartoon RP. Would you just be like, it was an animation error, I don't know, kids do this. There are tons of them, they're all over the place. There's uh, there's uh, an animation error in the opening sequence, right? Isn't there an inconsistency in the colors of the robots, or am I misremembering that? I could be misremembering that. Even Unicron might even be two different sizes. That's probably more likely. Yeah, he changes yeah. size so many times. Uh, I just like the idea, by the way, Ben. That every once in a while, I'm going to ask you the physics of a situation, and you. Are yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I have to contribute something other than uh, boy, this was a real money grab, wasn't listen, it? Listen, don't be a uh, don't be a. <laughs> we should kill all everybody's favorite toys so they can buy these new toys. Like, oh, wait, okay. really. I've always been really interested in what kind of stores were at the mall in Lathone. 
<laughs> yeah. In that establishing shot. God, by the way, do you realize we could spend an entire episode just talking about this opening sequence? <laughs> Quite possibly. It's not that hard. It's really not that hard. We got to move it along. Uh, and we got just, we're going we're gonna to touch on this a couple more times, but the fucking soundtrack to this movie <laughs> was the only soundtrack I have purchased from Amazon because I lost my physical copy of it. It is so good. And Lion's <laughs> version of the Transformers theme is the best version of the Transformers theme ever. Agree? Oh, no. Jason. I was just going to say, when that started out in the theater, you know, it's a Transformers, and you're like, whoa. <laughs> they had a little bit of instrumental to this. There's some, some loud music. Oh, yeah. It's a full-on, like... It's a rock. Yeah, it is a full-on arena rock butt guitar So far, there's only been the first episode of Transformers 1986, which means there's plenty of time for you to jump aboard. The home site? Transformers1986.com, of course. You know, I don't think this show's even up on iTunes yet, so click through to the home site by using the link on our show blog at SuccotashShow.com. Pizza Beer Revolution is a segment-driven chat show featuring Mike... Chris and Joe that appears on YouTube as a multi-screen video cast as well as an audio podcast. Their guest in this segment, they frequently have interesting guests popping in, is Samantha Quintas of Smodcast's Sam and Ming Show. And they're talking, more or less on topic, about favorite TV theme songs. So uh, it's your second time here, Sam, and we're really glad that you came. Thank you so much. I'm very glad to be here. Since last time we did the, the beer thing, you know, we, why we think that you think you're a beer. I was thinking we could maybe acquaint ourselves with you by you sharing with us what you feel to be your favorite TV theme song. Oh, yeah. Could you sing it for mm, us? I'm all ears now. Um, no. <laughs> no, uh, you don't want to share it? No, you don't want to sing it. I can't, can't sing it. Uh, I'm, I'm like a Doctor Who fan. You can't really sing uh, that. Is there, I thought it was A-Team, so. No, I'm like a Doctor Who I'm like a really actually like hidden super nerd. Yeah? Actually, yeah. I don't think it's terribly hidden, actually. No, actually. <laughs> I don't. Like, so you're not going to even attempt to sing it's it? It's like, do-do-do. There you go. That's pretty really good. I, I, That's I what Doctor Who doc- sounds I like? I don't know what that is. It's yeah. the longest running TV show in history, man. It is. Really? It is. Mm-hmm. It's this longer grid. than Simpsons? No, yeah. It's like, I get, what is it? 50 years. It's crazy. But 50, 50 years, but 50 years. they took a 15-year hiatus. Oh, it's not 50 years then. That's bullshit. All right, so it's still 35. That's, and that's long. What's Simpsons? 25? It's over 20, yeah. Simpsons 25, something like that? Is you, it a do scripted? You know his, do you know his last yeah, name? Yeah, scripted. Who? Uh, Dave, Dave Thomas. Thomas. Uh, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I said Doctor anyway. Who. You can't even say the name of the show without falling into that trap. Yep. Oh, That's how fun. Brilliant. Oh, my God. I can't I don't really that. watch much TV other than that. I used to watch, like, a lot of TV. When, like, fall shows came out, I had, like, 15, 20 shows that I watched. And it was just, like, annoying after a while. Yeah. So I, just, yeah. No, I feel like with Doctor Who, yeah. you either are, like, a fanatical about it or you just don't understand what the whole the hoopla yep. is about, I right? Actually, I actually agree with that completely. Right? Like, you're either watching it like, this fucking sucks and why am I watching this? Or you're watching it like, holy shit. Can you summarize it? Like, what is it about? What's it about? Life. Why, why should I watch it? Um, 
Are we talking like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy kind of weirdness, philosophical, number 43? Oh, God, no. It's not that good. No? Um, No. No. It's like campy (laughs) and it's hokey. Oh, boy. Here's the best thing. I hate it already. Yeah, it's campy and it's hokey. And um, there's Sounds only... like the Adams family. Yeah. It's Canadian. It's okay. <laughs> um, but there's always like that one brilliant part, like the moral of the story. And like the moral of the story, no matter who you are or what you do, it just always kind of hits you. Yeah. And like I, there was an episode a few weeks ago that I was sitting there and it hit me because he was talking about like stories. And I used to be a librarian. And I was like, oh, my God. And my boyfriend was watching it with me. He's like, that was beautiful. And I was like, really? Why did you care about that? That was like all me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was it just, beautiful. It was, that was beautiful. You guys were fighting or something? <laughs> <laughs> we're always fighting. Um, so, so yeah, it's just kind of a beautifully written hokey show. And he's always time traveling. Is that the story? Like mm-hmm. steps into the English phone booth and he goes Runs somewhere? into Bill and Ted. Yeah. Really? yeah. Terminator. Like cross. Yeah. Isn't, they cross dreams. Right. Is time travel like the worst thing in movies? No, but it's not. I, but I don't before, understand time no. travel. Where they switch the bodies when like oh, the God. lightning strikes—that's the worst. Movies. I hate that. Like Freaky Friday. Exactly. It's so lame. In addition to YouTube, find them on their home site, PizzaBeerRevolution.com, as well as in all the usual downloading and streamy places that podcasts can be found. Hosted by Hank and Petra, no last names, who describe themselves as, quote, educated hillbillies, unquote, the Hillbilly Nerd Talk podcast hails from deep in the hollows of rural Appalachia. This is an amazing find from Tyson and features a charming married couple who chew the fat on a variety of subjects. This sample features them tossing around a list of the perils of Facebook from Men's Health magazine. That's why I don't do Facebook. Well, you may someday because it's just a necessity. I know. I, I mean, know. I mean, you can keep saying, I don't do this, I don't do that. I mean, eventually you're going to sound like one of these older people. Like, I know. I, I know still, I sound like an older person. I still, but... I still got my telephone. I don't need that Internet. That's oh, what... Hank. I tell you, All right. I couldn't take it. Okay. Because my brother was running for something and begged me to, like, I couldn't turn down anybody's friend request, okay? So I was stuck with a whole bunch of people. I really didn't want no in my business. And I know that there are some privacy settings and everything, but I don't fool with Facebook enough to really understand all of that. I mean, I'm not, I'm just not real good at that yet. So it's. Well, nobody is. But, oh, but I'm God. just saying. But I'm just saying. The point is, I mean, again, you can fill in the blank right here with some lady. I just don't know about that internet. I just never did figure out how that internet works. I'm just saying. Sooner or later, stuff's gonna. You're gonna. Okay, you I'm know. gonna look up an article while you keep bragging on me about <laughs> about Facebook. Well, and it doesn't have to be Facebook. And I'm just, and I'm just friendly ribbing you, but I'm just saying social media and stuff is almost. A part of, uh, if you want to be part of society, if you want to be part of society and you want to, well, if you want to get things done, I mean, it's free advertising for a business. Um, there are just some, some benefits if you use it the right way. All right. Here's from men's health. Okay. Now you're going to teach me how to be healthy. I am. It's good. I need it. Okay. Okay. How do I get through here? 
Six ways Facebook ruins your life. Oh, Lord. This is going to be the six worst things you can come up with. This is. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure there's bad stuff. I'm not saying that. Just All right. It saps your motivation to give back. Lacking or showing support for a charity organization on Facebook lowers the odds that you'll actually donate your time or money to the cause. Finds research from the University of British Columbia. Your public thumbs up satisfies your desire to look charitable in front of others and makes you feel good about yourself, which wipes out any motivation to volunteer. It crushes your mood. The more time you spend on Facebook, the more your attitude sours. You can be overdone, sure, if you're on there too much. You probably realize that staring at profiles and pictures isn't a very productive use of your time, and recognition that you've wasted a big chunk of your day on something meaningless clouds your mood. It makes you dumb. After looking at their own Facebook pages for five minutes, people took 15% longer to answer simple math questions. That's because your profile inflates your ego, which undercuts your brain's motivation to perform. Okay. It renders your life unsatisfying. The more you surf, the less satisfied you feel about your life in general. Uh, it's inevitable that some of your friends will be posting about the fun, interesting stuff they're doing and contrasting your own boring life to theirs. Something Facebook basically forces you to do could explain these negative consequences. It leaves you lonely. Scanning your friends' profiles increases feelings of social exclusion and invisibility. Because you're observing your buddies but not interacting them, you feel cut off or left out. So that is six ways that Facebook, I mean, it just doesn't seem like a good thing to me. I don't well, Don't like get me it. wrong. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Zuckerberg over here saying that, you know, you should be on it, you know, 14 hours a day. I mean, I'm certain there's people that go overboard and that's obviously silly. Yeah. But yeah. like when we rent an apartment or we, you know, some property comes open, you can't deny it's an incredibly valuable tool that I can put a thing on my Facebook page. And three or four thousand people see it for free. Yeah. Can you deny that? I can't deny that, but I can say that I don't like the side effects of Facebook. Well, I mean, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree to a point. All right. I, I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing with you that all those things, and if you're on there too much, it's a negative. Yeah. But yeah. W- but will you concede with me that if you're on there a small amount, that it can be harmless and, in fact, beneficial? You kind of have to be the evil mastermind to do that, though. You have to be in control of it. Yes. And I think so many people are not. Okay. Some other people. But I'm saying, but you, but we could. I, I, I'm saying you could. Yeah. Yes. And I do. Yes. Set yourself down a spell at their home site at hillbillynerdtalk.com or any old place you'd like to harvest your podcast from. they got about 60 episodes or so that you can wander through. We're going to get to my chat with Matt Gorley coming up in moments right after the tweet sack. Easy tweety. Keep it in your sack. And this word from our sponsor for their latest seasonally appropriate bottom wear. Ah, can you smell it, friends? Autumn is in the air, crisp and cool. The smell of wood smoke and the leaves turning and falling from the trees. In honor of the autumnal equinox, Henderson's Pants is pleased to introduce their new 
autumn leaf behind pants, working with the fine folks at Monsanto and the latest in chlorophyll technology, Henderson's has created a pair of trousers that literally change themselves. From the moment you slide your legs into your new autumn leaf behind pants, they begin a subtle but discernible shift in color. They start out as a pair of rather dull, run-of-the-mill tan chinos, but within hours you'll be delighted as they become more brilliantly hued in a spectrum of breathtaking colors. Greens, reds, yellows. It's like your very own legs were taking a drive through the fall splendor of Vermont. You'll want to pay close attention to your autumn leaf behind pants because within days of activation, they begin to crinkle, crumple, and drop off in leaf-shaped patches onto the floor, which is why they're named as they are. The Henderson's Leaf Behind Pants, once they'd fallen off completely, leaves you with nothing but your behind to show for it. <laughs> Originally designed for romantic country drives, hay rides, and Helga Klontz, the Amish stripper, Henderson's Autumn Leaf Behind Pants can be found inside corn mazes and haunted houses. That's Henderson's, maker of baggy drawers and granny panties since 1841. And now, back to Succotash. As I mentioned earlier, we skipped the tweet sack last week due to time constraints, and I'm thinking of moving this feature to the end of the podcast once we get into Season 2. I love acknowledging those of you who take time to mention us on social media, but the list is getting longer and longer, it seems, and maybe it's more apropos to add it as a sort of closing credit roll at the end of the show. We'll see. Or maybe we'll split up the tweet sack so we can read any messages or emails during the show but save the mentions till the end. Your thoughts, he asked, knowing that no one was likely to email him at mark at com to give him any feedback on the subject whatsoever. Anyway, let's see what we've got in the tweet sack right now. From Mike Bass, I got a note via Facebook. Just listen to the Monster Party podcast. You held your own. That's right. I was on the recent episode of the Monster Party podcast, and I did my best. Man, those guys know their stuff. I was uh, fighting for my life in there. Thanks, Mike. Succotash was mentioned on the current episode of What a Pair of Trousers, recommended as a podcast to be listened to. Always appreciate that. Thanks, lads. At Sky All Violet gently reminded me via direct message on Twitter while I was on vacation that she still has not received her Succotash zipper pull. When I got back, I couldn't find her snail mail address, so I DM'd her back for it, apologizing profusely, and let her know that if I'd only had an intern to keep track of such things, it would never happen. She responded, Ha ha! I would love to be your intern. All I need is a visa and a time machine. What what era are you in, Jen? Anyway, several zipper pulls are on their way to make up for the fact I never sent you the first one in the first place. Thanks to Dan Delgado for featuring his interview with me uh, this week on his Radio Dan show. We chatted and hung out in the podcast lab at the third annual Los Angeles Podcast Festival for pretty much the whole festival. We were right next to each other at the table there. That was a month and a half ago. I'll be featuring my interview with Dan coming up uh, soon. In the meantime, check out his podcast, The Radio Dan Show, on iTunes, Stitcher, and his home site, RadioDanShow.net. All right. Deep breath. And here's the rundown of those folks kind enough to tweet, retweet, favorite, direct message, mention, or follow us at Succotash Show this past week or so on Twitter. The Nether Region, Hanging Outcast, 
Tom Jackson Jr., Salty Language Pod, Dom Torre, Tiger and Socko Jones, Matt Flick, Aaron O'Connor, Instagrants2, DAPF Pod Annalise, Amish Baby Machine, Tina Fields, The Three Cuckoos Podcast, What the Pod F Bang, Talk Radio X, LAP, LA Podcast Festival, oh yeah, I know you guys, Strange Times, Samantha Pet, Megan M, Davian Dent, Christine Blackburn, Jungle Software, Will Runyon Jr., Stu, Brian Flaherty, John M. Keating, Monster Party, Tuesday Night Pod, The Sibling Rivalry, hi guys, Schnuck, uh, Schmuckman Zero, Matt and Corey Talk Too Much, Anita Nelson, Kaza Mirth, Craig Shoemaker, Thomas Green, Todd Spence, Bob Zane, Coop TV, Doghouse Bastards, Comedy News, Bell, Albert Cadabra, Horsehead, a.k.a. Martin Tupper, Sideshow Network, Nug Nargang, Jeffrey Welchman, Distorted View, Clutch 43, Dr. Norman Trousers, Jordan Brady, Bath Salt on a Budget, Rachel, Symbol Mine, Ambrizi, Azanet, Hannah Hagen, K-Frog Next, Ty Davis, Robin Ham, Robert V. Bemis Jr., Satiristas, Paul Provenza, Who Put the Nuts in This, Mimi Toll, Illusionoid, Colt Cabana, Seinfeld Quotes, Just Hit Publish, Chato Boss, Fixated Podcast, The Angry Ginger, Ed Wallach, Ridiculous Ramblings, and The Conrad and Jack Show. Thanks, everybody. I feel the love. I feel the magic. And without further ado, here's my chat with Matt Gorley. Apologies in advance for the Skype quality on this call. There's a little bit of dropout from time to time as well as some squelchy interference. I try to cut around it as much as possible, but we still lose a little bit of what Matt's saying here and there. So sorry about that, but here we go. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. good. Um, I, uh, I saw you guys very briefly at the... Uh, Podfest. I was at the in the podcast lab. I waved at you as you went by the door. I was interviewing Janet Varney at the time. That's right. I saw you there. Yeah. So you guys kind of made a cameo appearance on my current episode of Succotash because I <laughs> mentioned that I saw you as as I'm waving at you. So oh, nice. It's a bit of a visual cameo, but things are good. Uh, just uh, you know, still pumping out the episodes of Succotash and uh, trying to keep the rest of everything going. I mean, that's just my hobby part-time thing I enjoy doing, but, uh, you know, between the full-time job and other, other interests, as you know, things get, uh, get rather hectic. Yeah, they sure do. And it's, it's nice to have a hobby and then sometimes that hobby can take over and that's a good problem to have. Well, that seems to be what your life is doing. <laughs> In some ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. In fact, uh, I guess, uh, part of that was your, uh, uh your role I guess, in, in doing the uh, the limited series with uh, uh, Andy Daly. Yeah, that was the first. I got the job, and then Jeff and I met, and we were discussing shows, and my first thought was, let's get Andy Daly. So I went and spoke to him, and, uh, I mean, he made me look really good in that my first podcast I developed there was his because he did such an amazing job with <laughs> that. So, um, yeah, that was that was a bit of luck on my part. That was uh, highly entertaining. Uh, we featured uh, an, uh, several of the uh, 
of the pilots uh, on Succotash. <laughs> played some clips, and I uh, I talked it up uh, quite a bit on Split Cider as well. Because uh, yes, I remember. Thank you. It was a very novel, uh, very novel uh, approach, which I thought was great. Especially for I, I got the sense he wasn't really into wanting to do a regular podcast, right? So it was kind of like here's something that would be fun. Yeah, and that that um, limited run model is is difficult for mid-roll to finance sometimes, but because he was kind of such a dependable audience favorite, they knew that they could do it. I'm a huge fan of that model. It, it, it's as, a, a, as am I, yeah. Yeah, it's a little hard to monetize, so it's not something that can be done all the time. But, um, I mean, I kind of think of Super Ego that way. We do these seasons, but even now we're taking breaks within the season just so – everything still seems fun. Like if it's not fun on our end, it's probably not going to be as fun for the listener. So that since there's no network we're beholden to, it's kind of nice to be able to do that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, suck attached because we mostly feature podcasts uh, and, and, you know, clips and then interviews. Uh, it's, it's not the same thing as trying to pump out the same thing every, you know, every week or so. Right. Uh, which I just, I just have to imagine just gets so tiring. I listen to people like, um, Oh, I don't know. Anybody from like Greg Proops, uh, these guys that just kind of talk on their own, it seems like it would get tiresome to every week have to go, oh, <laughs> man, you know. Have to- yeah, and I think that's even a sus- more sustainable model because you're just chatting. There's anything that involves, I don't know, like a, a narrative or character stuff like Andy Show or Super Ego, it, it's really – hard because you not only have to do it regularly, but you have to have a creative deadline. And, you know, for something that's not necessarily network money or a career, it's a little difficult to do that. Yeah. Yeah. The sketch ones definitely are a high production value and uh, probably a low return for the most part, <laughs> unless you're, yeah. uh, unless you're uh, welcome to Night Vale or something where they right. seem to be self-sustaining, which is amazing. Cons- yeah. Considering they don't even take advertising. <laughs> I know, huh? So how, what is their model? Do they just take donations? I think that's all they do. And I think they just have a huge audience base that uh, perpetuates it. Plus, I guess they're, they're run out of, a, I think, a bookstore in New York. Interesting. Uh, not, that, not that bookstores are a great model for, for financial return these days either, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> well, they're covering both the old and the new media. That's yeah. great. By the way, I'm, I'm, yeah, speaking, I'm speaking with Matt Corley. By the way, <laughs> by the way, because uh, uh, I'm not exactly sure where we'll jump into this discussion. But uh, just so, in case I pick it up before this, people will know who I'm speaking with. And uh, Matt, welcome back to Succotash. By the it's way, it's good to be back, Mark. Thank you. Uh, you and the rest of the guys from Super Ego. Um, I guess sort of Super Ego point one one point five was when I interviewed you. Uh, it was at Sketchfest, and you were uh, my our guest for episode 50. And uh, I think you just sort of wrapped up a season, and now uh, you just came back. Uh, That's right. A That's couple- a good way to put us as 1.5 at the time, because I don't think we had Jeff with us, but we hadn't added Paul as a regular member. That's right. So now Paul F. Tompkins, uh, is, uh, who is really, I guess you can consider up until now, a super ego irregular. Uh, right. he, the fifth super ego. He was in a lot, but he's now a, a, a cast member. Yes, a, thank a God, cast member. So uh, that's that's great. You guys are uh, enjoying the new season already, um, which is nice. But uh, we wanted to have a discussion because you've got you've got other irons in the fire. I guess if if there's a podcast fire, I've got some irons in it. <laughs> 
Is there a podcast fire? I don't know, but I, I don't know. I keep turning my iron, hoping it's going to heat up, but it just it's kind of a cold iron, I guess. But, uh... <laughs> so we mentioned, I think I may have mentioned before that I work for Earwolf and Midroll as a podcast developer, and I personally have a new podcast coming out, as well as uh, Midroll is launching a new network called Wolf Pop, which is sort of a sister network to the Earwolf Comedy Podcast Network, and this one's all about pop culture and media. And has uh, a thirteen. Let me let me check that. Has I think I think thirteen new shows coming out. Some hosted by Paul Shear, Leonard Malton. Um, some favorites of mine are The Canon by Devin Faraci and Amy Nicholson. Well, they'll talk in depth about movies and whether they fit into certain um, special categories. Nate Cord reading aloud with Nate Cordry, which is just sort of curated live readings that he's putting together. Rotten Tomatoes is doing a podcast and a little something special called the Sylvester Stallone show with Paul Shear and Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> no way. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it seems to be a auspicious time. Both the New York Times Magazine and Washington Post recently came out with their articles uh, sort of touting the return to popularity of podcasts. Uh, I assume you've seen those or heard of them. Yes. You know, I'm sorry. I forgot to mention a couple more that I think are really oh, sure. uh, crybabies with Susan Orlean and Sarah Thayer. And they just talk about things that make you cry in pop culture. They've had some great guests like Christopher Guest um, and then Kamau Bell and Kevin Avery are doing a podcast, which I just love, called Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time, <laughs> period, where they just go through every Denzel Washington film and talk about why he's the best. That's funny. Uh, Kamal was. Anyway, there's some other ones on there as well. Kamal was a guest on Succotash a few sure. episodes ago, and uh, he uh, he teased the fact that he and Avery were trying to put something together, but I don't think it had quite gelled yet. So uh, glad to hear they came up with a concept. They have, and it's really good. I've heard it. It's wonderful. Excellent, excellent. Um, so for you, how's how's the transition been from uh, really sort of being the, in my mind, uh, you're sort of the chief cook and bottle washer over at Super Ego because you, you do the, the lion's share of the editing on that. Yeah, I, I do most of it, yeah. Um, so how, how's it been to go from that, which is a pretty, has to be a pretty busy responsibility to now um, sort of shepherding in these new show concepts and a whole new network. It's been great, actually. Uh, it's been nice to kind of be an outside creative consultant thing instead of feeling like I have to have my hands in every little detail. I can just, uh, you know, we're bringing in people that we think the whole concept there is bring in people that you know will do a good job. That way, nothing has to be managed. You just work with them uh, from the beginning on what the show format will be and record basically what's a podcast pilot. And then we'll kind of talk about it after that. But the idea then is, okay, this show is developed. Now go have fun with it. The show's only going to be better the less we you know, sort of get metal with it. So um, I'll meet with the people and talk about what good segment ideas are or if it even needs that some of them are just kind of work on their own and then they'll record something and we'll all pitch in a few ideas and get it to a place where everybody's happy with it and then it's their show it's, so it sounds very um like a very sort of artistic endeavor and yet you are really kind of uh, the first in a generation of i'm going to call you a podcast suit 
<laughs> oh, that depresses me. But I've thought of that myself, I know. Because there has been, I think there was one time where it fell to me to say, uh, this isn't a good idea. And I was wholly uncomfortable with that. I don't, I don't ever like to do that. I consider myself someone who works better on the creative side. And I, I don't like the managerial part yeah. one bit. So the good thing is there's very little of that. The most of it, most of it is just creative contribution. I think if there were any more with that, it wouldn't be for me. That's just, I don't, I, I'm not a manager. I'm, I'm someone that likes to make things. And uh, <laughs> so I have to stay to that side of things. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, keeping it pure, as pure as you can. Yeah. Um, so uh, you've, all, you've got a new show as well, right, that you're, that you're doing. Yes, I'm very excited about this. It's called I Was There Too, and it's a podcast where each episode I interview some person that was present in a great scene of cinema history. So usually it's either they're an extra or they had one or two lines. They could be an established actor themselves, but this just happens to be one time when they had a smaller part. Or it's someone that's retired or someone that just you know basically had a few small parts. So I interview them and talk about what it was like on the day for them not being a lead in that scene. <laughs> I've already done four of them, and I've had uh, Paul F. Tompkins, of course. He had a very small part in There Will Be Blood. I talked to one of the Colonial Marines, Rico Ross, from the movie Aliens. I talked to Melody Ray, who's the woman with the baby carriage in The Untouchables in that staircase <laughs> yeah, shootout. Yeah. I talked to uh, Peter Burkrot, who's the guy that has the um, pitchfork held to him while Bill Murray delivers the Dalai Lama monologue in Caddyshack. <laughs> and they all tell you what it was like to be there on that day and to work with those people and those directors. And so far, it's been really fascinating. That is really interesting. What, where'd the idea come from? Actually, Jeff Ulrich, before he left as acting CEO of... Um, Earwolf, he and I were meeting to discuss the very beginnings of the Wolf Pop Network. And he said he had that idea because he was watching Karate Kid and he thought, what was the last scene like from the perspective of the ref of the patch? <laughs> and uh, he said, I, I think I want to do this podcast. Would you like to do it? And he offered it to me. And uh, I, you know, I'm no dummy. I immediately said, yes, I'd love to. And uh, just started developing it as one of the shows for the launch of the new network. That's great. What? Uh, how difficult has it been to uh, to track? Obviously, you get get hold of Paul F. Tompkins, but how difficult is it to get a hold of some of these people? Really difficult, Mark. <laughs> I have to say, some of them have been lucky finds, but uh, one of the stipulations I kind of said was, "I'm going to need help booking these." in order to do this show because that's kind of been the most work. So obviously Paul F. Tompkins was easy. In fact, I, I kind of went to him and said, look, I think some, some booking is going to be difficult. Can I bring you in on this? And I'm also bringing in Doug Benson and Greg Proops because uh, uh, they, I knew they were around and Doug Benson was actually in a bunch of great movies as an extra, but I'm interviewing him for Captain EO and Greg Proops was in uh, episode one of Star Wars, that's The right. Menace. That's, that's right. Yeah, he was the voice of uh, one of the uh, pod racer announcers. That's right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so I um, I actually, the first two people for some reason that I thought of were the guy from Caddyshack and the girl from Untouchables. And I put something online asking people for suggestions. And it just so happens that my friend Kelly knew the woman from Untouchables. So she put us in touch. 
And uh, otherwise, there has been uh, some booking help, but some of these people are off the radar and they're tough to find. So I've made a giant wish list and we're kind of hitting people one by one. But sometimes you get lucky, like with Rico Ross from Aliens. He was very game and he was a wonderful interview and he came into the studio. Some of the interviews will have to be remote, which isn't is easy because you can't quite have an interjection in a conversation or a good rapport but it's still you get a lot of great information and after a swift editing job it makes everything sound pretty polished. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You know, French Stewart played a soldier in uh, Stargate. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, that's great to know. Uh and he's he's very podcast uh friendly. He's he's been on uh, several of them of uh, friends of mine and uh, he's kind of easy to get to. <laughs> that's great. Okay, that's good to know. That's great. It's a uh, very uh niche sort of need to uh, for casting need <laughs> i know and it's i put out a plea on my first episode of if anybody knows anybody in one of these you know type of roles please contact me in fact i even say if you're one of these people please contact me because then i know they're willing for sure that's funny yeah and <laughs> probably a lot of people from those classic really classic scenes probably aren't even they're pro- you know passed on by this time you know so, yeah i'm wondering how old a movie i'm going to be able to get because i also originally was thinking oh one of the guys that shoots sunny in the toll booth scene in the godfather but they're pretty much passed on and um i don't know it's going to be it's going to be an interesting ride i think once the listeners get engaged it will help quite a bit that's great. That's great. And when uh, when does that show drop? Well, the whole network launches on Tuesday, November 4th. Okay. Or, or launched on Tuesday, November 4th. And I, I think mine is coming out two days after that or maybe that day. I'm not exactly sure. Nope. It's interesting being part of a network now. I have all the answers for Super Ego, but you know, I'm part of a machine in some sense now. So <laughs> I'm not exactly sure. Um, what, what's it like doing a show on your own without the other guys where, uh, you're, you are kind of, uh, although you're help, have people helping with booking and whatnot, you're still responsible for, you know, everything that's happening really. It's strange. I have to say, cause you know, I do the James bonding podcast with Matt Myra, but we have a producer for that and he and I just kind of casually work on it. Um, but this one, yeah, it's all me. So I find I'm doing way more free preparation. Well, that's what preparation means, but uh, <laughs> pre-production than any other podcast I've done. So I, of course, go back and watch the film of the subject that I'm interviewing. And it's really interesting to watch, say, Aliens from the perspective of a specific colonial marine. It changes the movie quite a bit. Um, and then I'll write down questions. And I've never done anything that's an interview show before. And that's that's interesting. And it presents a whole different set of challenges you know, the recording process and the post-production process is a lot simpler, but the pre-production and keeping my mind in the game in a different way, it's its not improvisation, it's interview, that uh, has been, you know, like flexing a new muscle. So I think I'm going to I'm gonna grow in that aspect, and I think I've got room to grow in that mm-hmm. aspect. Sure. But I also want to keep it fun and light, and, you know, t- I, I tell some of my guests that, the podcast is a shame-free zone and they should feel free to name drop all they want because we're after <laughs> stories. Nobody needs to be um, humble or modest. And, you know, what I'm finding out too is the interview subjects all are totally different types of people. There are, there are some that are obviously still working, some that aren't, some that are very humble and some that just really want to talk about themselves. And so a lot of them are characters in their own right. And that's going to be just as interesting to see what type of people these subjects are. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's all them and me. 
and uh, I'm used to more of a team, and so it's it's been interesting. Yeah. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see how this whole uh, new new network comes together. I mean, that th- it really is the next growing thing. I don't know if you've been privy to this uh, podcast called Startup. I've heard. Uh, yeah, and it's a guy who's starting a you know a new podcast company, and he was a producer for uh, an American Life, I guess. Yes. And yeah. That- we work sort of hand in hand with them a little bit through midroll, sharing a studio and that sort of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So he so he's going to be trying to start kind of a I'm, I'm going to call it kind of an NPR ish uh, network, as far as I can tell from what he said on his show, where he wants stuff to be sort of newsy, serious kind of podcast. So it's not going to be the you know four schlubs sitting around a living room in Cleveland, you know, trying to figure out how to review a movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do love that podcast, whatever one that's called. For <laughs> schlubs in Cleveland, I think. Cleveland schlubs. But um, let's let's talk a little bit about where you think this. Uh, I mean, do you see this re- sort of renewed popularity of podcasting? And should podcasting be given a new name now that they've the iPod's been officially retired? That's a good question, and I just read about the iPod being retired today. I didn't even know that, and I say no. And I think that there always there's been a group of people in podcasting from the beginning that have not liked that word because it implies an Apple connotation, an iPod. But I think I don't think how should I say this? I think that's what happened. Apple maybe didn't invent podcasts per se, but they put it on the map. And the pod iPod was the way that people listened to it originally, and I think we should be proud of that. Um, and it's got a you know a, a nice pun with broadcasting. Who knows who made up that term? But I think it's here to stay. I remember there was a movement to get rid of it and call it something else. I don't think anybody ever proposed a better alternative. But I say they're called podcasts. It would be almost impossible to change it at this point because I think people then would be saying, oh, what's this new thing you're offering and wouldn't even think of it as a podcast. You would have to explain to them that the name you just told them of your show is actually a podcast and that's just a whole other step. It's, yeah, I mean I think, think – It's a little too late. I, I do. I think uh, – I mean it would be interesting if, if something did sort of organically materialize as opposed to somebody trying to – commercialize a name somehow. Yeah. I mean, I think people have tried to sort of slant things into internet radio, which also doesn't quite work. Right. Um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I, I mean, I guess you're in a, in a sense with your position now uh, at Midroll One, you're kind of uh, banking or at least hoping that there is, you know, a new sort of wave of popularity of podcasting, right? Yeah. I uh, One thing on that last point really quickly, and yeah. then I'll cover this is I think part of the reason why podcast is here to stay is because I've been doing podcasts for eight years now and for so long I would say you know my dad's like what are, what are you into and I'm well I'm working on this new podcast what's that and uh, only in the last year or two does he then start the conversation with like how's podcasting going hmm. and I, if he's now sort of someone who doesn't listen to podcasts he's now aware of that term and the zeitgeist not only does that mean it's stuck, but that also means it isn't going to change for a long time because now yeah. people like our parents and, and people who don't regularly listen to podcasts are kind of aware of what they are and they call them podcasts. That means it's going to stick, I think. Yeah, it's getting more and more mainstreamed. I mean, in Kevin Smith's new movie, with you know Justin Long plays a podcaster. Uh, and, yeah. and so it's becoming more and more prominent in terms of people seeing it or hearing it as a, as a term. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. And I've also noticed people on late night shows uh, when they're listed like in the TiVo listing, it isn't, you know, discussing their new movie. It's, you know, Jimmy Pardo from the Never Not Funny podcast or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, But talking about a, a new wave of podcasting, that may be the case, but my awareness of it isn't that it's a new wave. It's simply a new level. It's a next, it's a just growing sensation. And, um, I've noticed even with super ego that our downloads grew between seasons and we were putting out new contact and our content. And that has to be a result of just more people coming to podcasting. I'm sure, you know, some of it was more people just finding the show, but once we started season four, our numbers have really gone up and to the point where we're, you know, we're monetizing a lot more. And, um, I think it's just taken a step up. Maybe that's the same thing as a new wave, but it really just seems like the media is growing, especially, and I think this is going to be huge. People are starting to discover as you and I probably have long ago. And most of the listeners of this, that listening in the car, not just on headphones, but through your car speakers is a huge boon to podcasting. And now cars are coming packaged. And I think Apple CarPlay is going to be something that launches this into the mainstream yeah, within the, a year or two. The, the article in um, New Yorker magazine, um, or New York Times magazine, uh, cited that as, uh, as something that was quoted from podcasters they interviewed was the, this whole sort of more stuff in the car. And I mean, I've, like you said, you know, if you've been in it for a while, I, I haven't listened to my car radio as a car radio for three years. <laughs> you know, just, I, I just, I just listened to podcast. Of course I have to because of my show, but, um, I, it's much more entertaining. Yeah. Same here. Um, no commercials for the most part, even if there are commercials, uh, you know, they're not very long and they're, you know, most of it's, it, I've talked to a couple of people about this. It's sort of harking back to the, the old day of personality radio where a sponsor wanted to pay extra money so they would get a live reading of their commercial. Yeah. You know, so there's all these commercials coming out for things like, um, Dollar Shave Club and, you know, clearly rather than just play a canned commercial, they'd rather have the, you know, the podcaster screw around with the copy. Right. Yeah. In fact, on my show, I do an ad read for Cards Against Humanity, which is a game that I love. I'm, I'm happy to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I love the fact uh, I've heard on some of the Earwolf shows, those the ads where they go, they, they don't want to read a commercial. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what mine is. That's essentially the basic ad read they give you, and then you can play with it if you want. Yeah, which is great. Um, so I, yeah, I think, I think people are, are sort of discovering it. And I think it's just, I think just the popularity is just growing exponentially as more people learn about it. They of course tell more of their friends about it. So it just becomes this sort of logarithmic formula for increasing popularity. Yes. Um, where do you, where do you think it's going to go? I mean, things like this, um, this new podcast network that you're working with, that's, you know, sort of moving away from strictly a bunch of comedians, just sort of, you know, yucking it up. Um, and this newer sort of more serious thing, this guy from startup is doing, do you think we're going to see more, um, sort of, uh, more slickly produced, uh, more almost Hollywood produced things that just sound like they came out of a studio? I think we definitely are. I think we're going to get more of everything. And I, th- I think as radio dies and I'm, you know, as sad as anyone to say that, but, but let's be honest, radio isn't dying. It's 
basically being reborn. Um, it's being taken away from corporations like Clear Channel and Viacom. You know, Clear Channel had ruined radio, and I don't think people realize that for 20 years you uh, DJs were saying call in and request and I as a kid would call in all the time to request songs I loved radio yeah. I wanted to be DJ and uh, there was no such thing as a request except for of course you know exceptions like the best show on WFMU or just WFMU in general and occasionally you know your listener supported NPR KCRW and KPCC here in LA but Commercial radio was a DJ taking your call and doing nothing with it and making you think that you were going to hear your song because your song was probably going to come up in rotation within 40 minutes anyway. <laughs> That's right. That's Everything's right. Everything's programmed by computer or a programmer into a computer and sent out to multiple radio stations. And radio had become a farce for so many years, but you didn't really realize it. And so radio isn't dead. It's just being delivered on a new media and in a better way. And it's, it's, I think it's wonderful. You yeah. Know? I, th I think podcasting is, is, um, trading in on the same sort of currency that radio used to when it was back in the sort of personality radio days where you could call in and make a request, things like that, where there's a much more personal contact between the person on the air and the person doing the listening, you know, where you really did feel like, wow, that guy's, that guy's kind of talking to me. Yeah, and the only difference is it's not live for the most part. That's and, right. That's right. Yeah, but I think you actually end up getting a much bigger interaction, especially with social media and Twitter. We interact with Superego listeners all the time, and uh, you know I'm going to be talking with people as much as I can on I Was There Too and hopefully getting suggestions and thanking them on the show. And so it really is a bit more of a collaboration, even if it isn't in real time. But I think people love that and they love to hear their names mentioned on a podcast. I know I would have. I still do. You know, when yeah. I was... Yeah. I love it. I, I loved radio when I was a kid and I loved audio format and what it does to your mind when you're just hearing things and you have to fill in the blank of, of the visual, even yeah. if it's just a DJ. You know? Yeah. I mean, I've got a, I've got a segment on, on Succotash uh, called the tweet sack where I just go into Twitter as if it was a mail sack. And I literally <laughs> have a three minute run now where I just mention people's names that either tweeted, retweeted or mentioned Succotash on Twitter and it's just yeah. this, this, this long litany of names and it's amazing. Uh, and I think people do, do enjoy it. We used to do that for super ego for anybody that wrote us a review on iTunes, we would mention their names, but fortunately, uh, just got to be too many, and, and we couldn't take the time on the show. It would have we would have lost people by listing all the names, and yeah. that was a wonderful problem to have. But that's an example of how how you can do that. Yes, exactly. What else do you think is uh, sort of on the horizon for you? I mean, you, it sounds like your plate's pretty full at the moment. But are there other podcast ideas you've got for for different shows? Yeah, I do. I have a couple. There's one that's not necessarily a comedy podcast. It could be very funny um, that I want to try. Um, I don't know when I would get to that. I mean, I have basically three active podcasts and, you know, the possibility of the Andy Daly show coming back, which I, you know, I'm only a peripheral participant in that. But still, that's a lot of podcasts to have on. Your yes, mind. yes. And I don't know how you didn't sound very peripheral. You sounded like you were in the thick of the action for most of that stuff. Well, I was there for the recording and contributing to a lot of the recording. But make no mistake, that is 
absolutely Andy's show. He does so much wonderful outlining and prep and really knows what he wants to do. And the beauty of that is you don't know it necessarily by listening to it because it all seems so organic. He's, um, he's a podcaster's dream. Um, yeah, you know, it's kind of funny, too, because it's almost like old-time TV or radio at this point with some characters, like his Don DeMello character. Yeah. Uh, and um, there's other guys. I mean, Paul F. Tompkins certainly has a, has a uh, talent, but even some of his characters show up on different shows. And it's almost like that, you know, like when the Beverly Hillbillies would have, like, a character show up on... Uh, you know, Petticoat Junction, or they'd show up on Green Acres and same character and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. So there's this really interesting sort of cross-pollination that happens. And I've, I've been on a number of podcasts now as a guest. I've done a voice on some people's podcasts. And it's just sort of kind of thrilling to uh, have all this excitement around what's really still a very new medium. Yeah. And the great thing, too, is that, you know, even though there are podcast networks and independent podcasts, Nobody seems to be territorial about any of this. It's it's almost I, I I don't know of any animosity within the podcast world, and it would be ridiculous if there were, uh, honestly. But everybody just seems to share and enjoy it, and kind of boost each other's podcasts, regardless if they work for the same type of network. And that may change one day once money becomes a serious factor in podcasts. But right now. I think it's, you know, it's a bit of a golden age for something as silly as a podcast media. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Anything else you want to uh, you want to spitfall about while we're here? Or, um... Gosh, I should mention that that this Wolf Pop Network has been curated by Paul Shear and he's done this amazing job of bringing in such wonderful shows and he and Adam Sachs who's now the CEO of Midroll and Earwolf who's a, just a wonderful guy. The three of us have kind of been working hand in hand with getting this started, and it's it's in many ways really their baby. I, I work mostly for Earwolf, but I've been pretty heavily involved with this, and uh, it's been such a pleasure. And I think Paul has put together a great slate. There will be more shows coming from this network, and possibly even more networks down the road. Um, but it's really something worth checking out. It's you know. Like I said, I think it's 13 shows, and that's not something you can go to the first day and go, oh, I'm going to listen to all 13 of these. But just by reading the descriptions, you will you can tell which ones are up your alley and, and try some of those out. And I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised with a handful of shows that will be really speak to them. Not every show is for everyone on this network, but that's the beauty of it is that every, there's a little something for everyone, if that makes sense. That's great. So, so people can check it out. I assume there's, uh, it'll be at earpop.com. Wolfpop.com. I'm sorry. Wolfpop.com. Yeah. And, uh, will, um, I, I'm sure all the shows will also be available via iTunes. Probably. Yes, absolutely. The whole network will be on there. Everything will be there November 4th. Wow. That's great. And Stitcher. Do you guys, uh, I think you guys are on Stitcher, most of the shows. At yeah, least. SoundCloud, all the usual places. I mean, all the yeah. all the tech guys at Midroll are hard at work on that as we speak, and uh, it'll it'll all be wherever you think you can find it, I'm sure. Very exciting. And if, uh, if you guys ever want to uh, feature a show that features comedy podcasts, you know where to find me. All right. Good. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> Matt, thanks so much for talking to me. And great, you know, best of luck, not just with a new show, but with a new network and continued success with uh, both Super Ego and uh, the, uh, what's the James Bond one? James Bonding. There, James Bonding. What could be easier with Matt Myra? I know. All right. Great. Matt, uh, have a great day and uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Mark. All right, Matt. Take care. 
There you have it, Matt Gorley, live and in person. Well, on Skype and in person. Nope. Uh, live and on Skype. Nope. Ah, Matt Gorley. Check out I Was There Too, part of the all-new Wolf Pop Network, as well as Super Ego, James Bonding, and wherever else that guy wants to pop up. In the second burst of Durst this episode, our master of the middle, comedian Will Durst, brings it home with a timely memorial for the late Democratic Party, recently put out of their misery by the GOP. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words on the grotesque drubbings suffered by the Democrats in the midterms this year, which to call monumental is like referring to the Pacific Ocean as moist. The scene was so grisly, most Democrats were forced to avert their eyes. Surprised the FCC didn't find the stations that aired election returns, thereby exposing young viewers to such extreme monstrous violence. It was like a front row seat at the World Championship Seal Clubbing Tournament. If you ever wanted to see numbers bleed, this was the night for you. Kept waiting for a referee to jump onto the CNN set, ring a bell, and raise Karl Rove's hand in the air. Way back in 2010, President Obama described his midterm losses as a shellacking. This was more of an epic trouncing with faint overtures of putrescence. Afterwards, the soon-to-be Senate Majority Leader, Mitch McConnell, tried to tamp down his partisanship by saying he wants to work with the president. Yeah, the same way a five-year-old with a magnifying glass wants to work with ants, like a gorilla wants to work with bananas. A ten-ton boulder falling off a cliff wants to work with windshields. What Obama should do now is promise the Republicans twice the amount of cooperation he received from them after the 2012 election, because everybody knows two times zero is still zero. But all indications are, despite the increasing odds, the president is still ready and willing to fight for his agenda, as soon as he figures out what it is. Staffers say he doesn't know the meaning of the word quit. Apparently, he's not overly familiar with the words consensus strategy or leadership either. For Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. Done and done. That's Epi 98 in a pod shell. It's not too late to record a special message for the Succotash episode 100. You can do it by simply calling into the Succotash hotline at 818-921-7212 or by sending us an MP3 or WAV file to mark at SuccotashShow.com. We continue to appreciate getting your reviews and ratings on iTunes, your thumbs up on Stitcher, and your donations by clicking on the donate button at SuccotashShow.com. Also, don't forget if you're going to be shopping at Amazon.com this holiday season to visit SuccotashShow.com and click on the Amazon banner at the top of our page. You'll be whisked off to Amazon in extreme comfort, and once you buy something there... They will give us a little tiny taste of whatever that was, and uh, that'll help us out greatly in offsetting our production costs. So, until next time, thanks for passing the Succotash. Bill Haywatt? You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. 
You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at marc at succotashshow.com. Or call into the Succotash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. Succotash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye. Great. Great. Thank you so much. Mark, you're such a great interviewer. It's so easy to talk to you. Oh, thanks, buddy. Appreciate that. But uh, you're, you're a great guest.